Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrich. Chapter 13. The Plaque. A pair of blue jays called out to one another from outside of the open window. Even without seeing them, the young man could tell it was blue jays. The long call was like what he imagined a young hawk would sound like. He stared out the window, unable to see anything of import. It had been too long since he had been able to get out, and his mind continually moved back to his family. He had to find a way back to them. Mr. Edmund, one of the older nurses asked, a gentleman he had come to know as David. Did you hear the good news? Tristan turned to David and nodded. That I'm not paralyzed? Yeah, I heard that a couple days ago. Thanks, though. I was glad to strike that off the list of things to worry about. He stared at the vase that had sat next to him for weeks now, filled with a mixture of geraniums and goldenrods. He reached up to softly nudge one of the slightly drooping petals. That's not the good news. You're being discharged this afternoon. David was pretty chipper. Tristan hoped it was because he was happy for him and not because he wanted to get rid of him. Wow, that is good news. I hadn't even thought of that. Hell, I'm not even sure where I'll stay. His mind had been on his father and cousin, sometimes even on his own condition. He hadn't even thought about leaving. The large man chuckled and leaned against the wooden dresser. Well, I just assumed you would stay with your fiance, Or are you too ultra-traditional or something? Tristan was confused for a second, and then laughed it off. What? Oh yeah. No, that's a fairly recent development. I was between places, and I just didn't want to presume. David nodded. Ah, the mystery unravels. You've been holding your cards pretty close to your chest since you were brought in a few weeks ago. Tristan chuckled, trying to change the subject. You have to hold your cards close to your chest, or else one of the other patients will call out your hand, and you'll lose all your chips to me, like that last game of poker. Speaking of, you still owe me a real coffee. Remember, not that hospital crap. David waved a hand at Tristan and stood up. Bah, you had no idea I was bluffing until then. I would have had you. He sighed aloud and looked over at the door. I was just going to leave for lunch anyways. I'll grab it while I'm out. You still take it like I like my men, right? he asked with a wink. Dark and strong, Tristan shot back, firing some finger guns and a bright smile. I was going to say rich and tall, but who am I fooling? I'm not picky. Tristan laughed as the man exited with a whistle. He fell back onto his pillows and breathed out loudly. Now he had to make arrangements. This was probably one of the first things he'd been able to take care of for himself in weeks. Flipping through the short list of numbers beside his bed, Tristan picked up the phone, dialed out, and waited. Hello, Barnabas responded on the other end of the call. Hey, Barnabas, I just got word that they're going to discharge me. You think you could come pick me up? It was still strange to him that he was asking favors like this from a person that only a few weeks ago had been a stranger. There was a long pause on the other end before the older man returned and spoke. Sorry, sir. Yes, of course. We can do that. Miss Jessica has asked if you would like us to bring along your father's wheelchair. 
Tristan's words caught in his throat. Mention of his father, whom the last memory he had of him was as a beast decimating people like they were ragdolls. He'd been told that Tim had told them to leave and take care of him. Tim had taken care of Rick, Tristan's father. The two had been missing ever since, without a trace. I, I'm not ready for that just yet, Barnabas. Is it possible for you to bring some crutches along? I can hobble from the car to the house, and we can figure out what to do after that. Barnabas's voice quivered. I'm so sorry, Tristan. You're right. We will pick up some supplies and be at the hospital shortly. Oh, both of you? Tristan responded, surprised. Of course. Miss Jessica is a trained nurse who has extensive experience in physical rehabilitation. You couldn't possibly have happened on to a better candidate for your current predicament. Tristan nodded and breathed out a response. Yeah, sorry, you're right. I just woke up. That would be wonderful. I'll see you both soon. Upon placing the phone back on the base, Tristan sighed aloud and bit his lip. Everything that had happened since the shootout at Essence Corners had sped by for him. To be fair, he had slept through most of it. The two gunshots had done extensive damage, keeping Tristan pretty much in a medically induced coma for the first few days. They had to repair his kidney as it had been ruptured, and then everything that stemmed from that, of which the list was long and he had forgotten most of it. From there, upon waking up, he was introduced to two new, completely unexpected things. One was that his spine was nicked by one of the bullets, and the doctors were afraid that if it wasn't repaired, he might not ever walk again. The other was that he had a fiancé. It turned out that Jessica had lied to the nurses and told them that they were to be wed soon. It was the only way she could get them to allow her to stick around and see him without questions. That was probably the least of the lies she had been forced to tell. Finding him with gunshot wounds and bringing him to the hospital had been tricky. Her story was that he was found by Barnabas, who had also convinced the nurses that he was Tristan's uncle, and he had gone on to explain that Tristan had been found near his car with two bullets in his stomach. They had been able to explain things to Tristan before he spoke with the police, and so he could feign having no idea what had happened. The healing process had been rocky in many ways, with the drugs, the loss of his father and cousin, and attempting to process his feelings for Jessica, he had been erratic at best. He didn't remember everything that had been done or said, but he was certain he had said something inappropriate, since things with Jessica had been so awkward lately. Sitting in that hospital bed was a constant swirling of anxiety. He went from embarrassment over things he might have said or done to worrying about Tim and his father, and then feeling guilty that he worried about one more than the other. He was deep within his inner turmoil when one of the nurses, an older woman who tended to be short with him, approached. You're going to have to sit still while I remove your IV. Then you can get dressed, she said, never looking up from her work. Tristan tried to see if he could get her to smile one last time before he left. I guess I should wait until you leave before I get dressed, huh? He replied, shooting her a quirky smile. She didn't notice. The elderly woman slipped the needle out of his arm and continued working. Not that I haven't seen before. A little hurt, Tristan grunted. 
I'll wait. When he was alone once more, Tristan got into the clothes that had been left there for him. Barnabas and Jessica had dropped them off on one of their last visits. The clothes he'd been wearing when he was shot were long gone. It wasn't much longer when Jessica and Barnabas stepped into the room. Barnabas smiled and Jessica shot him an awkward wave. Tristan slid his legs off of the bed and looked at the two, confused. Did you guys bring my crutches? Barnabas spoke to Jessica. I'll go and take care of things. This is something for his personal attendant. Jessica nodded and let the older man go. She stepped into the room and shut the door. Barnabas said that you wanted the crutches, and we brought them, but you can't make the walk to the car on your own right now. That's going to take time and work. Tristan breathed out hard. You know I don't sit in the chair. I haven't had a chance to deal with anything, and it's, it's just a reminder that I don't need right now. He stared down at the floor, unable to deal with everything that had happened. Jessica knelt down in front of him and placed a hand on his knee. I know, but you won't be dealing with it alone. We're here for you. You need to take your time, though, because if you want to help me find Rick and Tim, then you need to listen to me. Tristan looked up, confused. Help you find them? Did Barnabas make you an essence guard or something? Jessica shook her head and chuckled. No, nothing like that, but Rick and Tim were both patients of mine, so... I kind of think it's my duty as a nurse. A laugh erupted from Tristan as Jessica stood up and took a seat behind him. There was about a foot or so distance between them as they enjoyed a moment of silence. It took Tristan a few times, but finally he spoke. Look, things have been weird between us ever since I was shot, and I don't want that. I'm not sure what it is, but hopefully we can move past it and just go back to normal again. What do you think is normal for us, Tristan? We had one dinner together 25 years ago where I helped you to save your cousin by traveling back to your present, and then several weeks ago we were in a firefight together, and I've been posing as your fiancé ever since then so I could check up on you. The two met eyes as she smiled a quirky smile. I'm afraid we don't have a normal, Tristan. He smirked and nodded. I mean... Maybe that is our normal. The two laughed together before Tristan continued. I know, but I just thought maybe I said something in my dreams and while on the painkillers that might have been inappropriate or weird. Jessica shook her head. So you've been acting strange because you thought I would react weirdly to something I've been dealing with since you were a child? Do you have any idea how many people have whispered strange things or thought I was their sister or girlfriend because they were swimming on opiates? Really? Tristan responded sheepishly. I keep forgetting that you're a nurse. There was a knock at the door, and then a wheelchair pushed the heavy faux wood door open, with Barnabas directing it. Tristan swallowed and reached out for the chair. When he was in position, Jessica helped him stand and then slipped gently down into the seat. He lifted his feet onto the rests and sighed. She took the handles of the chair and began to push him out of the room as Barnabas held the door open. I know you hate this, but I promise, if you stick with me and work with me, you'll be walking around in no time. 
The three walked towards the elevators down the long, clean white halls of the hospital. All right, I can do that. So long as you two promise me that as soon as I'm better, we can go and find out what happened to Tim and my dad. Both Jessica and Barnabas replied immediately, Agreed. For the next several weeks, Tristan and Jessica worked hard to regain the young man's full mobility. He was weakened from the wound and his convalescence, but working through the pain and keeping active had helped a lot. The two shared a small apartment that Jessica had moved into while Tristan had been in the hospital. Life as roommates had strengthened their friendly bond, though they had resisted any romantic endeavors. Jessica had suggested they keep everything as close to professional as possible while he healed up. It wasn't always easy, especially since the only other person they usually saw was Barnabas, but it was working out. The two had decided to take a walk, get out and get some air, and perhaps visit Barnabas and bring him a coffee. They walked under the overhang at the plaza where his shop was located. Tristan followed Jessica's pace as well. She determined their speed knowing what he should be able to handle. He had a steel cane on hand and used it, but at this point, it was mostly just for when he had pushed himself too much, or in case it all became too much for him and he needed to rest. Jessica held the cardboard tray of coffee as Tristan held open the door to Barnabas's shop. The chimes rang, and Barnabas looked up from his morning paper. Good to see you both. Tristan, you're getting around well, it seems. Any pain? Not much, just some slight discomfort here and there. Jessica handed Barnabas his coffee, and the three walked into the office in the back. Tristan caught himself hurrying to take a seat on the small couch. This wasn't missed by Jessica, though she didn't bother to mention it. She was aware of the real reason for this meeting, and mentioning his condition would only worsen how he handled things. Tristan took a sip of his coffee and let the warmth soothe him forgetting the pain in his hip that he had tried to keep hidden in the last leg of their trip. Each swallow helped a little more than the one before it, and he found himself drinking a lot quicker than he might normally do with a hot beverage. The room was silent, until Tristan, not noticing the silence, broke it abruptly. I'm getting better. Soon enough, I won't even need the cane. We need to start planning how we can find Dad and Tim. Barnabas shot Jessica a glance. She knew exactly what it meant. Tristan didn't seem to notice the exchange. We're going to do that, but Tristan, moving forward, I think we need to understand that the likelihood of your father surviving what happened isn't good. Tristan raised an eyebrow and frowned visibly. You mean you want me to give up on him? No, no, nothing like that at all. I just think... She saw Barnabas make himself a little more comfortable in his chair and continued. We think that it's important to follow every clue. One of those is that your father was shot multiple times while the waste inhabited him. The amount of blood we found in the wine cellar is telling. Even with immediate medical attention, I can tell you that his survival wasn't a given. Tristan's anger and frustration with the topic was becoming obvious. Why does any of this matter? If he, if something bad did happen, we can deal with it when we find out. Right now, all that matters is the clues. Barnabas stepped into the conversation. Son, it isn't that easy. 
There are no clues at the moment. I've been speaking to contacts within the guard to try to find them, but very little is coming up. We have to be willing to search wherever there is a good chance we might find them, including hospitals and morgues. Those could be the clues that matter and take us to them. The word morgue made Tristan visibly shudder, and he turned back to his drink, taking a masochistically long swig that burnt on the way down. The physical pain helped to drown out the emotional sensations, though not enough for them to be hidden from his features. Barnabas continued, I have something I've been wanting to show you, to tell you for quite some time. I think it will help, but I also think it will make it easier for you to move forward. Tristan was silent for a moment, brooding over the answer and let a breath escape before speaking. Okay, go ahead. Does Grandpa have some letter for me, telling me that Dad died with some cryptic clue attached to it? That's how this goes, right? Jessica placed a hand gently on his arm, but Tristan didn't seem to notice. She hadn't seen him this cold, ever. The older man stood up and grabbed his keys from the desk and reached for his jacket. Nothing that simple, I'm afraid. When I told you the file ended with what happened at Essence Corners, I wasn't lying. I have no information that can help us with that. All I can do is give you the little information I do have, so all of this will make more sense. If you would come with me, we have to take a short drive where I can explain things. Tristan leaned on his cane and silently stood up. The three walked out the front door as Barnabas locked up the store and set the alarm. They got into the car and began to drive towards Essence Corners. When they pulled into the plaza... Tristan shifted his weight uncomfortably. Look, if you're planning on showing me the blood stain, it's unnecessary. I believe you. He looked down at his cane, not wanting to see the plaza, or take in the memories of that terrible night. What he didn't see is that they drove to the opposite end of the plaza and parked behind the row of buildings. Barnabas got out and opened Tristan's door for him. Come with me, young sir. I have to show you something before some help arrives for our search. Tristan and Jessica followed as they began to walk into the thick forest that stood behind Essence Corners. Help? Barnabas nodded as he led the way to a particular tree. Tristan couldn't make out anything special about it as Barnabas stood directly in front of it. Yes, I'm far too old to go off with you on the search. You're still healing and Miss Jessica though looking young as always, could use some assistance if things get dangerous, which I think we can all agree it probably will. The elder walked up to the tree, placed a hand upon it, and dropped his head for a moment. Tristan watched, intrigued. Barnabas stepped aside to reveal a bronze plaque that had been drilled into the tree. It read, R.E. Born January 1st, 1963. Died January 4th, 1995. Tristan squinted. What the hell is this? Barnabas cleared his throat. <clears throat> the day of the plane crash, I received a letter from your grandfather. He told me in no uncertain terms that I had to watch out for your father and stop him from trying to halt the trip. It made no sense. Rick, Andrew, Alyssa, and Nancy all made their way out to the plane without incident. Then, 
I found your father running back out to the plane again. It turns out that your father survived the plane crash, and then came back after a year or so to stop it from ever happening. Roland had meant for me to put a stop to his attempt. I chased him down and tried to stop him. It resulted in a scuffle. What I wasn't aware of was that I had attacked the wrong Rick. He wouldn't listen to me. We fought, and he... Barnabas trailed off and swallowed hard. He gathered all of his courage and continued the story. Tristan listened in silence, one hand on the plaque, the other tightly gripping his cane. He fell and struck his head. I accidentally killed your father while trying to stop him. The Rick on the plane was affected by this, obviously, because the time stream was affected in such a profound way. Our theory is that your father became a living waste of sorts. That is why he was never the same, and that is why he was sick after that. Your father, the man who raised you and loved you, he died in 1995, and he was buried here by my own hand. Jessica could only watch quietly as Tristan leaned his head against the rough bark of the tree. She slowly approached and attempted to place a hand on his shoulder, but he shrugged it off, not bothering to look up. Go, he uttered quickly. Pardon me? Jessica asked in surprise. Not you, him, Tristan growled. He needs to go now. Eventually, I'm going to want to leave, and I don't want to see his face. Jessica tried to say something, but Barnabas shook his head. No, dear. This is his right. He turned to Tristan. I am as dedicated to your family as I ever have been. When you have need of me, I will be awaiting your call. He took Jessica's hand, smiled warmly, and walked away slowly. Jessica attempted to offer Tristan some reassurance, but he asked to be left alone a little longer. She turned back to watch Barnabas continue to walk away. What she saw was him at the edge of the forest, warmly embracing a full-figured, fair-complected woman, dressed for an extreme cold that simply wasn't there. She had short, curly silver hair and seemed to be very happy to see Barnabas. Beside her, stood a dark-skinned young woman, smiling politely and shaking the hand of the elder gentleman. Jessica was so intrigued that she had almost forgotten about Tristan. She remembered as the two began to approach and Barnabas left the forest and her sight. Tristan, she said, trying to be sympathetic. I think that help Barnabas mentioned is here. He turned around, visibly annoyed, his eyes red and giant tears staining his skin. Don't say his name, Tristan started before noticing the woman and stopping immediately. Aunt Flo? He said in surprise. His aunt smiled broadly and held her hands out for a hug. I was told the new essence guard needed some help, so I came. She turned to her daughter and motioned to Tristan. Celeste, you remember your cousin, Tristan? Celeste nodded and offered him a sad smile, knowing what had just gone on and seeing his facial reaction. I hear we have some work ahead of us, my darlings.
theme music by Carol Cockrell.